0: Okay, so, ooh, Tashia, she she takes my breath away. Um, She definitely speaks to my soul. Next we have uh, Barbara Coloroso is a woman I met. We both sit on the same board together, the Coalition Against Global Genocide. And Barbara has written a number of books. Um, But I think what she's speaking about today is the three H's and their antidotes. She talks about that fine line between bullying to genocide because there is truly a fine line between these actions. So let's bring up Barbara's video. Hi, I'm Barbara Coloroso, educator and author. It truly is a joy and an honor to be a part of the Earth Day series. Uh, I'd like to talk about raising responsible, resourceful, resilient, compassionate human beings who know how to think, not just what to think, who are willing to stand up for values and against injustices who are not easily led or due to please. But there are three virulent agents today ripping apart the fabric of our humanity that interfere with our ability to connect with one another and to connect with the earth and all the creatures in it. The three H's, hating other human beings with other contempt, hoarding, me, mine, and more instead of us, ours, and enough, and harming through lying and cheating and stealing. Where does that all begin? Uh, I had the wonderful opportunity of working with orphans from the 1994 genocide in Rwanda, where in 100 days, almost a million human beings were macheted to death because someone considered them an it. They were called cockroaches. Um, And when I put my work out, Extraordinary Evil, I had many a reporter say to me, but I thought you lectured on parenting and education. And I said, where do you think it starts? It starts in our homes, our schools, and our communities with utter contempt for another human being. Genocide is not an unimaginable horror. It was thoroughly imagined, meticulously planned, horrifically carried out by people who considered other human beings as its. And it does start with the language that we use. It is a short walk from hateful rhetoric to hate-fueled crimes to crimes against humanity. So we need to go to our home and school scenes to look at how we can begin to have the antidotes to those three virulent agents. Martin Buber said, I am I, and you are thou. And we have a common humanity, that's the we. Archbishop Desmond Tutu said, we're interrelated, interconnected, and interdependent. And he wasn't just talking about man to man, woman to woman, family and community, he was talking about the whole of the earth, all the creatures of the earth, and the plants, uh, and having respect for the air that we breathe, that we are truly interconnected, interrelated, and interdependent. So with that in mind, we look at Martin Buber's phrase, the I and the thou. In bullying, which is the insidious beginning of dehumanization of another human being, in bullying, I make you into an it. And once you're an it to me, I can do anything to you and not feel the normal shame or compassion. I can take a Matthew Shepherd, beat him up, tie him to a fence post, leave him to die in Laramie, Wyoming. And when those two young boys were arrested, they said, yeah, but he was gay. Take a black man in Jasper, Texas, James Byrd, drag him on the back of a pickup. And when he was dead, those three young men said, yeah, but he was black utter contempt for another human being. Once I have contempt for you, I can do anything to you and not feel shame or compassion. And when we look at that contempt, we can go to the genocides. Armenians were called dogs. Jews were called vermin and bacteria eating at the fabric of our society. Tutsis were called cockroaches. What do you do to those? You exterminate them. You kill them, you get rid of them because they're less than us. Rohingya are called fleas today. Cambodians were worms to those who killed them. We are seeing right now in the Ukraine, a genocide. And with that, we are hearing the language of genocide, the language of hate, the language of utter contempt, where these are animals. These are vermin that need to be done away with, and so it is that language we need to begin to look at that utter contempt for another human being. And that's why when I'm teaching school, I cannot tolerate another child in the classroom dehumanizing another making them into an it, because it is truly a short walk from hateful rhetoric to hate fueled crimes to crimes against humanity. We need to stop it in its tracks. So hate is utter contempt for another human being. It is truly evil in action. The second is hoarding, me, mine, and more instead of us, ours, and enough. All I would want for young people is enough. Enough human being in their lives to connect with them, to love them, to care deeply about them. Enough food, enough clean water, enough land for them to play on. Enough. That's all we need is enough. And as a consumer society, we have to say, when is it enough? Uh, Gandhi said it so beautifully when he said, to live simply so others may simply live. And we have to think about that in terms of the hoarding that we keep amassing properties and things the third is harming through lying and cheating and stealing what's wrong with lying and cheating and stealing first of all it destroys my own personal integrity secondly it destroys my relationship with the thou the other and they won't be able to trust me if i violated that trust through lying and cheating and stealing and that in turn destroys community So what would be the antidotes to those three? Care deeply, share generously, and help willingly. Care deeply. Caring deeply is not liking everybody. I always told my students, you don't have to like every kid in this classroom, but you must honor their humanity. Caring deeply is that must to relieve their suffering and wishing them well, which if you look at it, is the antidotes to bullying, to The must to relieve someone's suffering, wishing them well, not necessarily liking them. But if I see somebody being hurt, am I willing to extend myself out to stop that hurt? Bullying is a conscious, willful, deliberate, hostile activity intended to harm where you get pleasure from somebody else's pain. So the antithesis of that is the must to relieve their suffering and wishing them well. When the high-status social bully says to all the other girls in grade eight, I don't like the new girl. You want to be in my group? Don't eat lunch with her. I want your daughter to be the one to say, that's mean, that's cruel, and have the courage, and it does take courage, to go sit next to the new girl because she will do that at cost. There'll be no scratch and stickers and stars, catch and being good awards, lunch with the principal. What you'll probably get is almost goody-two-shoes or you're next. And when in the locker room, the high status social bully says to all the other boys, look at that kid over there, different skin color, religion, gender, physical or mental ability. Let's go mess him up. I want your son to be the one to say no. When the burden's heavy, when his friends say, what is he, chicken? What do you just like him? No. But how do you begin to raise a generation of kids willing to stand up and speak out and step in to do the right thing when the burden's heavy? It begins with us. So I ask you, how do you treat hired help? How do you treat somebody moving to the grocery store a little slower than you'd like them to? How do you treat the new neighbor who looks different, has a different faith tradition, a different language is their first language, dresses differently, has different foods? Your children are watching. And how about that relative at the family gathering, the bigoted relative? Now we all had bigoted relatives somewhere on the family tree. It's just that some someone on the branches you yeah, have, they're right there at the dinner table, spewing bigoted comments thinly disguised as jokes. Can your children hear you saying, I'm bothered by that? Or that was racist, or that was sexist, or that was mean and cruel. When all the other relatives roll their eyes and say, what, can't you take a joke? Not that kind. And you know you've had an impact when you walk back in the dining room and everybody shuts up, but you've had an impact. And you've really had an impact on your children when your mother is very upset with you because you spoiled the dinner by confronting the bigoted comment that was disguised as a joke. And she says, look, Uncle George is old. Age has nothing to do with bigotry and intolerance. There's never an excuse based on your age. And can you say to your mother, I don't want my children to ever think that it's okay to dehumanize another human being with those bigoted comments thinly disguised as jokes. The chances of your children standing up for another child has been greatly increased because you walked your talk and then you talked your walk with your children and let them know that we do not demean or dehumanize another human being, that we must treat them as a thou. Again, I tell kids you don't have to like that kid, but you must honor his humanity. You must treat them with dignity and regard. So, the first antidote to hating would be deep caring. And all the things we do in our daily lives must be rooted in that deep caring, that must relieve another's suffering and wishing them well. The second antidote is to share generously of all the gifts and talents that we have and that's to help young people understand the gifts and talents that they have and that they can share them i had an experience with my own children we had a priest in our town that decided in his old age when he was sent there that he was going to help each one of us share generously of our talents and gifts so we all had to list those and one day i got a phone call And he said, uh, Barb, I know you have three young children at home and we have a refugee family that has three smaller children than yours. And I told them you'd be over uh, sometime this week with toys and clothes for them. He gave us a way to serve. Now I thought I was raising my kids to really believe that they could do that. And that it was important to do that. I showed them with allowances to put some money away for spending, for for, uh, saving, and to give to those who have less than they have. So I asked my kids to go gather up toys for this young family who had come with one bag. Well, my kids picked out a few toys and were, quite frankly, a bit stingy. And when we went over there, um, I was a bit disappointed in my children, but also in myself and where have I fallen down in helping my kids share generously of their gifts. And I had a real wake up call. Once we arrived, um, the kids were handing out the toys that they had put together and the parents were grateful for the clothes, but our youngest got in the car and said, mommy, can I go home and get more toys? And what struck me right there is our children need to see that there are those who have less than they have and that we can express gratitude for the gifts that we do have and that we can share generously of those gifts. But it took my children actually experiencing, seeing that these children had nothing and they went home and looked at what they did have and were very willing. The other two, my two daughters, when Joseph said, can we get more? He agreed, and they agreed with them, and let's go get some more toys. And they rounded up, including some that were very special to them because they had met these children. So I think it's important when we share generously of our gifts that our children know and experience children who do have less than they have. And we'll often see that the joy they get out of very simple things. So care deeply, share generously, help willingly. It is important for our young people to learn to serve. Uh, And you serve in gratitude. When our children would go to a soup kitchen, I talked to our children about looking the other person on the other side of the table, look in their eyes and say, but for good fortune go, go any of us. And that we could be in that line, in a flash. Uh, And so to serve them with a generous spirit as seeing them as a thou. And we need to practice that every single day in our everyday lives. Care deeply, share generously, help willingly. And how do we treat the earth? Do we have a respect for the air? that is re- breathe. Are we willing to stand up, speak out, step in when the burden's heavy? When people may mock us for what we truly believe in, and that is that we're interconnected, interrelated and interdependent. It doesn't mean you're gonna be liked by everybody, but liking isn't something you need to worry about. It's caring deeply about another human being and about our planet and what we need to be doing collectively. We see it right now in the Ukraine and we see how others have opened their hearts um, and their homes to help others. Um, I saw it in Rwanda with many Hutu um, who died trying to help Tutsi, but also many Hutu taking in Tutsi orphan children and raising them as their own and not having that dichotomy that one's a cockroach and one is an eye. And- but that cockroach is not a cockroach, it's a thou. Um, One of my experiences in Rwanda uh, was meeting a very tall young man when I returned to Rwanda and his mother. And his mother told me the story that she was fleeing with him as a baby, but knew that she appeared very tall so she would be labeled right away as a Tutsi cockroach and they would slay her baby as well. So she went to an elderly woman in her community who was already harboring Tutsis under her dirt floor and the boarding and under the boarding and the dirt floor under her home. And she said, they're going to take my baby. I need to flee, would you take my baby? And this elderly woman said, of course, I'll take your baby. And the mother said, but he's a Tutsi. She said, I'm a mother and he's a child. That's truly the I and the thou. And she at cost uh, took in that little baby who could cry and give away the others that were there, but she was willing to do it because I'm a mother and he's a child. And he survived and grew into a, a wonderful young adult. And his mother was ever grateful for this woman. Now a little story about this woman, she had been ostracized from the community because she didn't fall in line with um, some of the religious practices in that community. And she held strong to her own beliefs and was willing to go beyond um, the vitriol and the hatred that she saw in her community Much of it directed at herself. And when people were in need, she saw them as a thou and rescued them. We need to be willing to unblind our eyes, to not listen to the propaganda about somebody being less than human. And we must stop it in its tracks. When I hear a kid demean another human being, it's no more, not here, never. That was mean, that was cruel. And this is safe harbor for every child. We need to teach our young people that they have a personal responsibility to stand up, speak out, step in, do the right thing when the burden's heavy. But we have an obligation to model that for them, to walk our talk and to talk our walk. Um, I'd like to leave with a quote from two people who have touched me deeply. One of them is hervin Herman, I'm sorry, Herman Melville. I was mixing his words up. He said, we cannot live only for ourselves. A thousand fibers connect us with our fellow men and women. And among those fibers, as sympathetic threads, our actions run as causes and they come back to us as effects. It is that circular interconnectedness and interdependence that he is speaking of, the whole fabric of our being. And then the last quote is from Lieutenant General Romeo Dallaire, who worked in Rwanda in a peacekeeping until he realized it was a genocide and there was no peace to keep. And he wrote a powerful book called Shake Hands with the Devil, the Failure of Humanity in Rwanda. And he said, the only conclusion I can reach is that where you're in desperate need of a transfusion of humanity. If we believe that all humans are human, then how are we going to prove it? It can only be proven through our actions. So what I'm asking each one of you on this Earth Day to look at is the I, thou, our common humanity and the antidotes to hating, hoarding, and harming. Care deeply, share generously, and help willingly. Thank you.